everybody, Dave DeBoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in, we've got Mr. Cody Lewis, who is a real estate entrepreneur. He's a podcast host. He's a syndicator. He's a multifamily guy. He comes from a corporate background, and he's made the transition into real estate investing. And today, we're going to be talking about why Cody is turning deals away, why he is not making offers on properties, on multifamily properties, until he finds the right one. So Cody, glad to have you here today. No, Dave, it's a pleasure. It, it honestly is. I, I've been fortunate enough to have you as a guest on the show, and I, I'm super excited to be part of this one. Excellent. All right. So Cody, tell me a little bit about your background when it comes to real estate investing. I know you've been doing this in one way or another since about 2018, and now you've scaled into the multifamily space. What does that journey look like for you and where are you at right now? Yeah, absolutely. And again, thanks for having me. The, you know, early on, my wife actually comes from a real estate background. Her family, her grandparents, her dad were all in some sort of commercial real estate, whether it be large tracts of land, some different retail locations. And that's really how we got into it. So she's part of a few LLCs that still own some large tracts of timber land that they're looking at selling right now. And then also some, a couple other retail locations that they've exited. And that really got our juices flowing and started thinking as she was, and still is a lawyer, but was looking at transitioning from their existing office space into a new one. We were actually going to acquire that, that actually had some other room on the other side to rent out as well, would reduce their overhead, and then also generate some other profits for us based on the other tenant. That actually ended up falling through because luckily for her and us, and it's really worked out now, she got bought out by a larger law firm and absolutely loves where she's at. But that that kind of killed the next phase of our real estate journey until a good friend of mine from high school reached out to me. And after being and running a building and running a very successful construction company here in South Carolina, decided that he wanted to take his passive real estate investings and be active and be the lead operator. So we joined forces in 2020 and then started really looking for properties at the tail end of 2020 and into 2021 from a multifamily standpoint. And then at probably as early as this year, we started even looking at and underwriting a ton of industrial deals as well in our area. So uh, we're still we're still out there searching. We're underwriting just tons of deals. We I've spoke to him this morning about probably five deals that we're currently underwriting right now, just this week. Mm -hmm. And are we going to submit LOIs or not? We're we're not quite sure. You know, we're still waiting on a few of those numbers to come back to, that we have some questions on, but go kind of goes into what I'm sure we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So you you were mentioning off air that that you guys have participated as co-GPs in a few projects. Talk to us a little bit about that and and why why you haven't pulled the trigger on anything recently. Yeah. So my partner has been fortunate enough to be an asset manager and bring some uh, capital to the table to a few deals with some larger groups. And we really leveraged a lot of that experience to one, help find our mentor. And we're part of a, a great mentor group with uh, with that individual, but also help give us a better idea of what the asset management back end looks like. But ultimately, it just kind of gave us the taste of wanting to be on the lead operating side. But as we continued to underwrite, you know, we were going through this in, in the tail end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, and we started looking at all these deals. 
we, you know, we read all the books, we did the bigger pocket stuff. Our mentor gave us a lot of great material and we're looking at these deals and we're like, man, this just doesn't make sense. These cap rates just keep going down and down and down. And, you know, you're taught early on, if you go back and listen to anything before 2020, it was in place NOI, in place NOI, in place NOI. And if you underwrote any deal back, you know, in the 2020, 2021, even this year, a lot of things are still on future value. And there's a ton of risks that you have to take to bring maybe a cap rate that you're seeing. We saw some in the low twos as late as last year, and they're still maybe creeping up a little bit. We're still seeing some threes, fours. Uh, we're really lucky if we see something in the five these days, but as those cap rates were just continuing to get compressed, just didn't make sense. We were looking at, well, there's just, there's not a lot of value to be added here. Right. We And then we, we started looking around at all these other groups and we said, well, what are we doing something wrong? You know, we talked to our mentor, we talked to some other people in the community and it's, well, well, no, they said, no, you're looking at the right stuff. We're like, well, why aren't we finding deals? Now, I think part of it is we live in the Carolinas. It's an incredibly hot market. Yeah. Um, lots I of think, competition in that market for sure. Tons. Right. And not just from people locally, which, you know, you wouldn't think we live in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a, it's a decent sized market for South Carolina. It's, you know, top three, but it's by no means a large market, but there are at least four other syndicators in Charleston alone that we know of that do decent sized deals. You know, one's quite large, but the other one are all up and coming and on their way of doing really successful things. So it's like, man, just in our little small market, we already have four others that we're competing with, plus all the money coming from out West right. in the Northeast, looking in all these markets. So it just became tougher and tougher to break so, into so, these deals. So what do you, what do you think, that those guys without pointing any fingers specifically, but in general, what are you seeing happen with these other syndicators that they're making deals happen that, that you guys might be turning down? How are they making money? at that? That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there. This is Dave DeBow and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. Well, I think it's of our opinion. And again, we're not pointing fingers at anybody. And, and you know, if you look at the investors on, on a lot of these deals, I think some of them will be pretty happy with what they did, but other ones I think would not be as happy. But you know, we like to look at things from a long-term standpoint, five to seven year holds or even longer, depending on what the market dictates. We underwrite for cash flow. That's our primary focus. We want to make sure, regardless of what the value is of the property, they, if we need to, we can hold it for longer. Hmm. But as we looked at these deals, we were looking at these and these groups were buying them and we just, we didn't see the value that they were going to be adding. And then they were exiting them incredibly quickly. We're talking 18, 16, 14 months and they were exiting these properties. And we started to try to look at, okay, maybe how does our underwriting compare to theirs? And what we started to see was, well, there's these waterfalls on the back end. And granted, all of our deals we underwrite typically have a waterfall, but you know, so maybe for, for folks that aren't familiar with that, what does that mean? So we when we look at the uh, IR uh, rate of return on time value of money, if the operator exceeds a certain percentage of IRR, the level of ownership or equity payout starts to shift. Mm. 
So, you know, you may typically see like a 70, 30 split on a lot of these GP and LP deals. And, you know, the equity is heavily weighted in favor of the passive investors. Well, as that IRR starts to creep up, the equity split starts to balance out or become more in favor of the partnership group, the general partnership group. And it does behoove them and to perform at this level. But what we started to see was that it was less about these groups performing the property really well and driving the NOI up and adding value to the property. It was more so that the market and the interest rates were really just taking that to the next level. So you would get these groups that would come in, buy a property, and rightfully so, they get their acquisition fee and they, they, they have all these fees tied onto it. And then they would exit the property really quickly and then get disposition fees and higher returns and better equity splits because the IR was through the roof. And while a lot of investors were incredibly happy, they're getting you know two, two, five, three X their money in like 14 months. Well, for most, a lot of investors that are, are sophisticated, typically don't want it that quickly. That's now a tax problem for them. Mm. So they were wanting to hold that while they're happy they doubled their money. Well, now they're the amount of money they have now from a taxable standpoint just doubled. Mm. So now they have a different problem. So where are they going to place their money? So inevitably they try 1031 with the same group, but what if that deal's not as good? And as time has gone on from 2020 into now 2022 and, and beyond, we start to see that the ability to to refinance or get out of the deal that these folks were doing early on is not happening as much. And credit to my partner, as, as early as probably like late last summer, you're starting to hear a lot of people in the industry start to talk about, hey, you should be writing for in-place NOI. You, know, you should be looking at cash flow. You're starting to hear that a little bit more in the podcast and the, the bigger pockets and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's been saying that since last year. Mm-hmm. And we held on on these deals because they didn't have the cash flow that we needed to see and that we couldn't drive the value or the risk to bring the you know property selling at a 3 cap up to a 6 cap and adding the value there was way too much risk and you would have to hit everything just right on your your pro forma and your om just to be able to get it there and no any syndicator any operator will tell you the, the OM that you put out there for your investors, you're not going to hit that exactly. And if right. any operator tells you, like, they're not telling the truth, it you never hit that exactly. You're going to be a little over, a little under. Hopefully you balance out and get close to it, but it's never the same. So it's really prevented us from, from being able to do that because we know the types of returns and expectations our investor has and the kind of the platform that we've built for them and where we tell them we're going to be. So it's really prevented us from, from buying some of these deals while a lot of other groups were making money, a lot of it, in our opinion, off a lot of fees and quick flips and not the long-term investment value add that we were all taught, uh, or at least most of us were, um, it, it prevented us from doing that. So we're still out there looking for those. Are, are you starting to look at any other kind of asset classes if, if multifamily is not fitting the bill? Yeah. And and to be honest, you know, we're still very bullish on multifamily. It's finding the right property. But for us, it, it's really pivoted us to start looking more at two things. One, industrial from an asset class. We found that multi-tenant industrial has a very similar underwriting model to multifamily. You know, you have a bunch of tenants under one roof, which is very similar to the multifamily aspect. So you can underwrite it and make sure that if you do have some vacancy, you're covered on a lot of your cost. But the other thing that we started looking at were, you know, our management fees were going to be drastically reduced. 
a lot of our other cost evolved in a typical triple net lease where for those that maybe aren't familiar, the tenant is responsible for things like taxes and some of the improvements on the property, yeah. anything internal on their actual piece of the property, the building that they're in, they're usually responsible for most of the aesthetics and upkeep inside the structure, just basically everything but the HVAC maybe and the roof, mm-hmm. everything else is re- they're responsible for. So there's a lot less, com- it's still complex, but a lot less complexity from a multifamily to the multi-tenant industrial. So that became a lot more appetizing, but also we were, again, we were looking at two, three caps in uh, multifamily. When we started looking at industrial, we were almost shocked to see six, seven cap deals out there to be had. So again, you have to buy right. And I think that market is still, you know, a little bit tougher to get into for some folks as well. But at the end of the day, it presented an opportunity where there would be potentially less risk for us and our investors to be able to get in and get very similar types of returns. Excellent. Fascinating stuff, Cody. We could talk for a long time about this, but this is a short podcast. So for people who want to find out more about you and what you're up to and maybe about your podcast, what should they do? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me. You know, for those that are interested in listening to the podcast, I run the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories. It's the UN in parentheses if you're looking for it. We bring on successful operators, whether it's in multifamily, just across the spectrum in real estate and talk about stumbles, challenges, failures they've had along the way to help propel them to where they are today. Because what we see on social media is not the case. You know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows inside of real estate. And we want to get those true war stories to help people get over the hump that they may be faced with currently. But as far as what we do with my partner and I, you can find us at vinducapital.com. Excellent. Yeah, I love that uh, that whole concept because a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person may, learns from the mistakes of others. Absolutely. Right? And we'll have all those links in the show notes. Cody, thank you so much. Dave, it was a pleasure being on. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. And we'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.